Hi there, and welcome to today's podcast on obstetrics and gynecology. Today we'll be starting off with abnormal uterine bleeding. This can come in the likes of changes in the length and intensity of menses, where menorrhagia is indicated by more than 80 mils of blood loss or menstruation greater than seven days. It can also come about by a uh, changes in the timing of menses, such as metarasia, where there's bleeding in between periods. So the way to think of a differential for abnormal uterine bleeding is the mnemonic PALM coins. The first four, PALM, are all structural causes, and these include polyps, adenomyosis, leomyomas, also known as fibroids, and malignancy. The next part of the mnemonic includes coagulopathy, ovulatory dysfunction, including PCOS, hypothyroidism, hyperprolactinemia, and anorexia, endometrial causes, iatrogenic causes, such as IUD breakthrough bleeding in the first six months, and then not yet classified, which includes AV malformations. It's important to note that if a lady presents with postcoital bleeding, you're likely thinking of a cervical pathology, such as cervical cancer, cervical ectropion, or polyps. The assessment of abnormal uterine bleeding includes taking a full gynecological history, assessing whether the patient is hemodynamically stable through vital signs, an abdominal examination looking for masses, tenderness, signs of peritonitis, a pelvic examination looking for signs of trauma, products of conception, discharge, and assessing whether there's any adnexal masses or cervical motion tenderness, which could indicate PID. The mainstay of investigations firstly include taking a beta-HCG, followed by a full blood count with iron studies, coagulation studies, a urinalysis if there's urinary symptoms present, and a high vaginal swab if an STI is suspected. Cervical screening tests should be ensured to be up to date and taken if not. A transvaginal ultrasound should be conducted to look for structural causes. Papillae and endometrial biopsy should be done in the case of endometrial hyperplasia or cancer suspected. For management of abnormal uterine bleeding, firstly, if the patient is unstable, they may require blood transfusion, high-dose IV estrogen, tranexamic acid, or occasionally uterine tamponade. The mainstay of treatment for heavy periods can be broken down into non-hormonal, hormonal, and surgical approaches. Non-hormonal include NSAIDs such as methanemic acid or antifibrinolytics such as tranexamic acid. Hormonal methods include intrauterine device, the oral contraceptive pill, and GnRH agonists. Surgical approaches include endometrial ablation and hysterectomy. On the topic of vaginal bleeding, now let's look at postmenopausal bleeding. A good way to think of a differential is by anatomical location. Vaginal causes include atrophic vaginitis, malignancy, and trauma, often caused by inadequate lubrication. Cervical causes include polyps, 
cancer, cervicitis, nectropion. Endometrial causes include endometrial hyperplasia, cancer, polyps and fibroids. Ovarian causes include hemorrhagic cysts and endocrine ovarian tumours. Also keep in mind whether the patient is on anticoagulants. Outpatient endometrial sampling in the form of papillae should be indicated for all women over the age of 40 or if they're at risk, which includes infertility, obesity, family history, abnormal pap smears or ontomoxifen therapy. A hysteroscopy and endometrial biopsy can then follow. Now let's look at some of the causes of bleeding in pregnancy. In pregnancy less than 20 weeks, we should think of ectopic pregnancies, which are usually accompanied by abdominal pain, or miscarriages. In pregnancies greater than 20 weeks, we can think of placental abruption, which is characterised by dark vaginal bleeding, but this may not always be present. It's also characterised by the sudden onset of abdominal pain with painful contractions and a constant pain between contractions. On palpation of the uterus, it's very tender and feels rigid and woody. The fetus is often in distress, and if we're assessing shock, it may not always be relative to the amount of blood lost. Placenta previa is another diagnosis. This is characterised by bright, painless vaginal bleeding. The uterus is often soft and non-tender to palpate. The baby could be in a transverse or breech lie. The fetal fetus will not have signs of distress, but this depends on the amount of blood loss, and shock is proportionate to the amount of blood seen. Vasoprevia is another diagnosis, which is characterised by painless vaginal bleeding, which is the fetus's blood and this occurs suddenly after the rupture of membranes, and the fetus will show signs of distress, such as bradycardia and decelerations. The final diagnosis could be uterine rupture. This is characterised by severe abdominal pain, a sudden pause in contractions, fetal distress, vaginal bleeding, and loss of fetal station.